to hear you sing that song in line with that as Nadezha had just prayed over me and it was just, it was phenomenal how the Lord is working. I just want to say, welcome to the most difficult time on a college campus because right now there's not a student in this room that's not praying for the rapture of God um, because their exams are next week. And, and they're in the midst of darkness. They are, they are looking for the light of Jesus Christ to show up. And I just want to be the one of encouragement to say he's probably not coming back till after the exams. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. But there is, there's like this darkness that's clouding. For some of y'all that have gone through that process, you know it's, it's a challenging time. It's a fun time. Some of you are like, whoo, I've only got a couple more. You have this optimistic view. Then some are going through it going, well, I've waited to the very end, and I've got all this stuff to do. And so there's this big, dark shadow hanging, and I just want to give you a good word today that the gospel of Jesus will cut through any darkness. And so that's really the point today, too, by the way. So why is this um, virgin birth, this has, by the way, been the most challenging I think I told Hayden, Hayden was praying over me this morning, and then we were praying backstage with the worship team and some leaders. I just want you all to know, this: I'm, I'm the most scared I've ever been to preach a sermon because it's the most uh, challenging one that I've done that I can remember. So I, I just want you to say the reason that makes Christmas so different than anything else, why, why did they say, is, is, the, is the virgin birth. I mean, think about why we even celebrate Christmas. Let me give you this history. It'll be in line with the exams a little bit and the darkness. Uh, think about why they even chose December 25th. Why was December 25th? I mean, let's be honest. Jesus was probably born in March or April. But why, think about this, why did they do this? I mean, December 25th, uh, according to um, one writer, uh, probably by A.D. 273, December 25th was the day that we were already, already celebrating Christmas. Um, it, it, and so you see this, it was already in conjunction with two other festivals. This is what's interesting. There was this uh, Natalis Solus Invicta, which is this uh, Latin for the, the, the birth of the unconquered sun. So think about this. You had the Romans worship the sun god. You had the, the winter solstice, which was December 21st. You had all these different big pagan holidays. And you're a Christian. And you're, you're a Christian that's been underground because it's not okay to be publicly a Christian like it is in some countries today. You can't do it. And so there's this sun god worship. And so the unconquered sun holiday is big. You've got the winter solstice, which is the shortest day of sunlight during the year. And so they're worshiping the sun god that even as the days got shorter, the sun was unconquered. <laughs> Y'all tracking me? And here we are. Christians in the midst of pagan holidays. So they're like, man, there's only one who's unconquered. There's only one who's victorious. There's one who's greater than every exam. There's one who's greater than every job. There's one who's greater than every boss. There's one who's greater than everything that I've done wrong in my life and I might feel my life is too short that I can't recover. There's only one who is victorious even over death. His name is Jesus. So let's celebrate his birthday. 
And so they finally battled over some times, and they get to where it's December 25th. Why? Because we don't want to celebrate the, the, the Roman holiday of the unconquered sun and the winter solstice, December 21st. We want to celebrate the one who is unconquered. His name is Jesus. Are y'all tracking me? I kind of like our early church brothers and sisters. Because they're like, we're going to do our own thing. That's John's, you know, version. And so what happens is we get this December 25th holiday that's celebrating Christmas. But what's interesting is, this is so beautiful, is that you have the pagan Romans worshiping the sun. It's unconquered, even though the days are getting shorter. It's still unconquered. It's never always night. But yet there's this battle of light and darkness in Scripture. So this is what the Lord, are y'all ready? Oh gosh, I got to pray. Are y'all ready? Can we pray? Because I just, not that Robert, Robert, your prayer was amazing. And I just want to continue in prayer as we, as you prayerfully, uh, we go through this. See what the Lord says. Y'all ready? Let's pray. Lord, um, I get on my knees because you're God. And I bow before you and worship before you with my sisters and brothers. This sermon is too great, wonderful for me. But you are absolutely in total control. So I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, as 1 Corinthians 2 says, but I want to come with a demonstration of the spirit and power so that man's wisdom, uh, so excuse me, that their faith would not rest on man's wisdom, my wisdom, human wisdom, but on the spirit and power. So I pray that, Lord, you would make things very clear to us today. We're getting ready to tackle something huge. The virgin birth. And why is Jesus' birth different than everybody else's? Because he was born a God and fully man. And so, Lord, I pray today that that would change our lives. That the birth of Jesus, where God became a man so he could be the ultimate perfect sacrifice for us, that all darkness would be removed in our lives. You're not only a, a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path, but you're the unconquered and victorious one. And your light will never go out. And there's no one who can dim you. There's no one who can stop you. There's no one who can uh, imprison you. Because the word of God has not changed, Scripture says. So I pray today, Lord, thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Thank you that you washed us away. Thank you that the weight of all the sin was taken away and put on Jesus so that we could walk in freedom. Which means that we can express our faith through love. To you and to others. So Lord, make this come alive to us today. Speak to our hearts. Change us. Let the gospel wreck us. As Hayden said, that the gospel would not be proclaimed, that the gospel would bring change. And Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. You are worth it all. And if you don't do anything else, you have done more than enough by saving us. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And all the saints said, what? So, here we get to see this this. this Christian festival against light versus darkness, light versus darkness. So why did Jesus Christ have to come at night? And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all peoples. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that is Bethlehem, Christ the Lord. And you will find the babe wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And then scripture continues. 
when all of a sudden we know that all the heavens burst forth at that night. And the shepherds saw the heavenly hosts praising God and singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace towards men on whom his favor rests. So why was Jesus born at night? I believe that the gospel of Jesus, and here's the main idea, it's on Summit Church Facebook. Here's what I want you to know today. Everything that you're going to go through, everything. Here's the hope. Here's the victory. Here's the power. Everything, because of the gospel of Jesus, the darkness of sin, that is the darkness of this world, that is the darkness of what do I do next, that is the darkness of where I'm at, and all these other things, will be lifted as because of Jesus Christ, his mercy and grace. There is not a darkness that the light of Jesus can't penetrate. And that means for marriages, that means for families, that means for singleness, that means for jobs, that means careers. When we walk with Jesus, there is a swag to our step. And there ought to be. Because there's not a demon in hell nor a darkness of shadow that can stop the light of Jesus Christ. Let me show you why. The Lord showed me why Jesus was born at night. Check this out. Y'all ready? We're going to do a little. So if you got your phone, see, you all, you know, y'all high dollar. You know, I got this Bible that my eyes are going so bad I can't see. What's up with that? Old age. All right, here we go. Let me show you why. Genesis 1. We're going to turn. So get your Bibles. We're going to turn until we even get to our main scripture, Romans 5. But why is darkness and light? Why is this? Darkness representing the, the chaos and the brokenness, the place without God. Why is there darkness in hell? Why is there this fire? Why is the worm that never dies, that is a gut-wrenching, visceral, intestinal pain? Why are there lashes? Why is that? Why is that place without the absolute beautiful light of God that is seen in Revelation where there's no sun, there's no more moon, because God is at the center of the throne and He will be our light and we will reflect His glory. Genesis 1, the Lord just showed me this. I couldn't believe it this week. He's just pointing it into me as fast as I could, as fast as I could think. He was giving it to me. And he would have given it faster, but I just can't think fast. Check this out. Why is Jesus born at night? Why at night? 400 years of silence between the last book written in the Old Testament and the time of Jesus. 400 years of silence. When will Jesus show up? When will the Messiah show up? When is he going to show up in your life? He's there and he's ready. The way he shows up is when we take a step of trust and faith on his word. And he will show up. He will stand strong in your relationships, in your job. And though the world may fall apart, Job, God has you. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, or translated, could be in the firstborn. Right? Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the Firstborn over all creation. In the firstborn, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And notice the Trinitarian thought. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Even in the midst of darkness, God can still work. Check with me. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. In the curse. 
and the curse. When God has cursed the serpent, he's cursing the woman, he's cursing to Adam, the man, verse 19, he says, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. Adam, that's the Hebrew word, we say Adam because we, you know, we English, but uh, Adam means dust, dirt. All right, here we go. Uh, it says, until you return to the ground, that's why his name was never changed. Um, and, and since from it you were taken, for dust you are, or for Adam you are, and to Adam you will return. In other words, dust, he, in other words, darkness, he's going back to darkness. You see that in the midst of sin, there's always this darkness. There was chaos in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. Here within this curse, we have darkness. Look how it continues. Uh, Genesis 15, God makes a, a covenant with Abraham, right, because he's saying the Messiah is going to come through your people. The covenant, I'm, I'm not leaving the world without a light. I'm not leaving the world without a light. And I pray that you and I don't walk out of here today without a light. Walk with a little bit of swag in your step that the king of glory may come in, Psalm said. And who is this king of glory? The Lord Almighty, the Lord strong in battle. Who is the king of glory? Genesis 15, look at this, verse 12. As the sun was setting, now see darkness, see how there's this imagery, battle, darkness, light, darkness, light. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. And a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Verse 13, the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. And that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. He's talking about Egypt. Just because we are saved doesn't mean that we are free from darkness. There will be dark times in your life. But the light of the gospel might not be external, but I promise you it will burn internal. Let your light shine. Darkness, go down to verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen. See, why did Jesus come at night? When the sun had set and darkness had fallen. A smoking fire pot. God was smoking hot, never mind. With a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant. I want you to know that even in the midst of what might be dark, God is still alive and still loves you. And he is still committed to you. He made a covenant in a dark place. Why is Jesus coming to dark? I'll show you. Go to uh, Isaiah. Here's another one. They read it even uh, this week. It, it was interesting this week in chapel. They read this verse. I thought, wow, that's pretty, pretty good uh, that they would go to that. Um, it, it, even the uh, prophet Isaiah, 700 years, he's prophesying to Israel because Israel's going dark. They're turning, listen to me, they're turning to sin. Israel's going dark. Judah's going dark. Everything's going dark. They're going away from the light. They're going away from the gospel. Darkness and light battling it out. And the prophet says, and oh, there's coming. Over 700 years before Christ is coming. Look what he says in verse 1. Arise, shine. 
Saints, I want you to know today, stand up in your marriage, stand up in your class, stand up in your apartment, your dorm room, your house. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're the only one in Christmas who believes in the Christ of the Mass. That means the, the coming of Christ, the, the sending of Christ, right? I want you to be the only one. I want you to stand up because arise. It's time for us who have the light to stand up. And I want you to know that if Christians stand up, the darkness has to flee. Rise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And he's saying it's coming. Believe, trust, though you might not see it externally, let it burn in you internally. You know what I've noticed? The stronger I am internally in my relationship with God, the less the external changes me. Hmm? Hmm? Well, because the stronger I am internally, then I begin to change the external. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't cave into it. That's just like a baseball player. You, you go into a slump. If you believe you can hit, you'll get out of it. But if you don't believe you can hit, you ain't never going to. See, it's the internal that changes the external, not the external that changes us. Because then if that's the case, we're constantly looking for a new external. A new relationship, new job, new career, whatever else. And look what it says. Verse 2. See, darkness covers the earth. And thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your what, saints? Woo! You know what God's cooking. And kings to the brightness of your dawn. There might be a darkness. Why did Jesus come when it was night? Because it was a beautiful metaphor that even in the darkest hour, in the midst of the place where fire torches could not light up the land, the glory of God and his praise would by his angels. <laughs> That's pretty good. You ain't heard that one. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. Luke chapter 2. I'll show you. I ain't making this stuff up, people. Are y'all with me? Okay, I got two people. Two, two. Praise Jesus for two. All right, Luke 2. Yeah, listen, y'all voted me as pastor. Y'all know I'm weird. Okay, here we go. The, verse 8. Look at chapter 2, verse 8. This is why it's powerful. I thought I'd throw this in there. And there were shepherds living out in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by what, saints? Why did Jesus come at night? Because it's in the middle of the darkness, the cover, the covenant, and the covering always shows himself strongest. And if it burns in us internally to trust him, faith is trust. Faith is not a belief. Because that has become an, uh, a modern day term where we can believe in things but not act on things. Oh, I believe that the airplane might fly. I just don't want to get on the airplane to let it fly. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were terrified, so afraid. But look what the sweet angel says. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. What happens when light comes into darkness? Fear has to go away. Fear represents darkness. Uh, the, the, the night, that the where has it been? The silence of 400 years. Where is God? He's at work. When people say, where is your God? 
Revelation chapter 6. When people say, what about the beheadings? And what about, where's God as the people of God are destroyed? It's an easy answer biblically, John Piper would say. He is storing up wrath in heaven. Revelation 6 says they will be begging for rocks to fall on their head rather than face the risen Lamb of God. It's an easy answer. For those that don't trust him, he is storing up wrath. You see, people want Jesus to come back. He's coming back as judge. This is beautiful. In the midst of darkness, he comes and brings something precious. He brings the perfect Son of God. Jesus was called the Word, but when the Word became flesh, his name became Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, which means God is my salvation. Or Yahweh saves. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. The gospel. Let's keep going. Look where darkness continues. Go to um, verses 25 through 32. Luke chapter 2. Verses 25. Now, now, as Jesus got older, a couple of days older, they went to dedicate him, right? Because they were, they were going to dedicate him to the Lord, as the Old Testament would say. Because they followed all of the law. Because Jesus had come to be the sacrifice. Why is Christmas so powerful? It is the virgin birth. That's it. That's what changes everything. It ain't about a present. It ain't about an angel singing a song. It is about the virgin birth that Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the perfect sacrifice, sinless. Not born in sin, not, they would not commit sin, sinless. So he could be a sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Look at verse 25. Woo, the Lord showed me all this. I didn't read this. I mean, I read it in the Bible. You know what I'm talking about, but outside. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. I kind of like this dude. I can't wait to hug him in heaven. I feel like I want to dap him, you know, chest bump him. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and that is the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen who, saints, talk to me. Is it up there? I have no idea. Who? Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to, um, to do for him what the common, the custom of the law required, that is, there in the Old Testament and Torah, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, he's going to die in peace. For my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Check this out. Darkness and light. A light to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Jesus is meant to be a light. See the darkness? If you would, go with me to Matthew 5. Well, I'll just read it. I'll just quote it. Matthew 5, 16. Darkness and light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good what? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. 
the light in us changes the circumstances around us. But most of my prayers are, God, change the circumstances when I ought to be praying, God, change me. If I change, everybody else's change. If I change, my wife changes, my children change. Listen, because I'm going to say this, I'm going to go with Jesus whether anybody goes or not. Joshua said, for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. So if you want things to change, if you want the darkness to push back, there better be a stirring of the light within you. It's the only way it's going to happen. 2 Corinthians 4, turn there with me. This is so good. The Lord just showing me darkness, light, dark. Why did Jesus come at night? It's to show that there's no darkness he can't penetrate. Meaning for us, metaphorically, there's nothing that you and I can't face that God cannot defeat. I know my Jesus is undefeated. There was a champion, Goliath. Last time I checked, he was beheaded. Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Then the Lord took me here, the Holy Spirit, literally. I'm just sitting here. God, I didn't, God just gave me this. And I go to it. This is how all this came about. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at this. Let's start, if you don't mind, uh, verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, that is the good news of Jesus Christ, that this, that this God, the word of God, the very spoken word of God, that's how the earth was created, through Jesus. God is the Father. He speaks his word, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is the power that works within. Though the Holy Spirit is a person, not just a force, not the force be with you, though I like Star Wars. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, that means Satan, has blinded. Notice the darkness imagery. The blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light. See it is? There's the darkness and light. The light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. What is the glory of God? Jesus. Says it right there, clearly. Displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For we, what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, here's the light and darkness image. Oh, this is so rich. I don't even have time to go into it. Let light shine out of darkness. Let me, let me be honest with you. Every time my kids come to me and they can testify this. They'll come up and they'll say, hey, Dad, thanks. Or they'll, they'll, thank, they'll say, hey, thanks for the dinner. Or we paid for dinner. Or thanks for lunch. And I tell them every time, make no mistake about it, I say, don't thank me. Thank God. Because every penny is his. And if the only reason we get, go out and get something to eat, it is Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is not me. Are y'all tracking me? This is what happens. It comes this way. He says, let light shine out of darkness. If I want darkness to push back, then I got to get out the way. I got I to gotta start letting the light shine. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men. Internal becomes external. That they may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. That is why Christmas changes everything. It's not that we give, the giver gets the glory. It's not that we give presents because it's more fun to give than get. Why? Because there's joy watching people have joy.
let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ Jesus. What is God's glory? The face of Jesus. I just want to give God glory and give him glory by talking about Jesus. There it is right there. You read it in black and white, not me. It's right there in ink. You read it. Let's read it again. May light shine in our hearts, that is our dark hearts, our dead hearts, our sinful hearts. We are under the sin of Adam. We are stained. We have the imputation of sin. Every child born, oh, y'all not going to like me now. But God has an answer for that. It's stained with the sin of Adam. And it's not just the ability to sin. That's what it means to be born in sin. And that is why Jesus was born of a virgin. Because he was not born in sin. He was born as God. Mm, I didn't get any amens. Okay, here we go. Let's read it. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This is going to get thick. Jesus is displayed for God's glory because he is God's glory. And look this darkness and light imagery. Let's end in the Revelation. Go all the way to the last chapter in the last book of the New Testament. Revelation 22. Three through five. Revelation 22, three through five. Look when there is no darkness and there's nothing but light. And by the way, we can live like this, even though that we don't experience the fullness of this. I'm getting ready to get in some thick stuff. Verse three, no longer will there be any curse. What is the curse, saints? For the wages of sin is, what is the curse? Death. You know how gracious God was to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden? The reason why he kicked Adam and Eve out is so they could live and sin would not. Because sin can't live forever in the presence of God. That is why Adam and Eve were kicked out. But God was going to make a way for his creation, Adam and Eve, the one that he said is very good, the one in, G in Genesis 1:27 that he created them in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. They had the capacity to love him like nobody else, to know him like nobody else, to experience his glory like nobody else. And in John 17, to be able to love Jesus like God loves Jesus. There will be no curse. So he, he sends them out that their bodies will die, but their souls will live. And we can walk around today knowing that there is no curse over us because of Jesus. So we can let our light shine. So Christmas to us changes everything. It's powerful and life-changing because the virgin birth means there is no more curse because there was a perfect God-man who died in my place. I just want to say this to you today. I know Jesus laid down his life, but you know why Jesus died? He wasn't born in sin. He didn't commit a sin. Do you know why he died? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is what? I didn't hear you. The wages of sin is, so why did Jesus die? He took on sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin 
for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ died because he took sin on. He took your sin, my sin. He took it upon himself. Thereby, he took the wrath of God. How great of a God is that? And so there's no curse over you. Why is things going wrong in my life? We live in a fallen world. Why is there sickness and death? Because of the stain of sin of Adam. Why do young children die? Because of the stain of sin of Adam. What did the kid do to die? The stain of sin of Adam. Watch. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city. And his servants will serve them. Verse 4. They will see his face. Remember, Moses couldn't even look into the face of God. Because no one can look at the perfect love of God. That white, bright, shining eminence out of who God is. God loves us so much, he's always protecting us. Do you see that? That's why he let Adam and Eve out of the garden, so they could still live. So he could destroy sin, which would be the serpent. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. I love that. I think the reason why the names are on our foreheads is because he was already in our hearts. Mm. Right? When do, when, do, when do normally people take rings at a wedding? Because it already happened in their heart. People make external covenants because there's already been internal covenants. Y'all tracking me? Like I don't want nobody to make something externally with me if it's not internal. Like I don't want somebody like, oh man, I'm all in at Summit. But their hearts aren't there, right? I don't want that. Do you? I want people all in. You're coaching a team, you want them all in. But it's got to start here, not outside. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Verse 5, there will be no more night. See the darkness imagery gone? They will not need the lamp, uh, the light of a lamp or the, uh, I love this, or the sun. Excuse me, uh, light of the lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. He will reign Ever and ever. Why did Jesus come at night? Because darkness will not last. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so powerful because of his virgin birth. The virgin birth means that darkness, sin, death, disease, enmity, strife, work that produces thorns and thistles. All the curse has been washed away and we get nothing but grace and mercy because Jesus was born of a virgin. He was fully God and fully man. And the stain of Adam, Adam's sin, was not upon him at conception. Now, now that we know that the gospel of Jesus, that it means the darkness of sin is lifted and we can know what we could never know because of Jesus. If you're looking to know something today, I want you to know darkness has been lifted that God will show you. And you say, but John, I don't have an answer. Then do the last thing that God told you to do and be faithful in your heart and let his light shine among men. Let what's internal become external. And I promise you, God will make a way. And this is why. We can rejoice.
For 400 years, there was darkness in Egypt. There was darkness in creation. There was darkness since the curse of the garden. There was darkness uh, for when after they came out of Egypt. And for 38 years and 9 months, they wondered because at the end of one year and three months, they could have gone into the promised land. But there, two of the spies said, go, Joshua and Caleb. And ten said no. And they lived in fear, which brought darkness, which brought wandering, which brought death. Because that was a faithless generation. And because they were faithless, he had to give them the law. You say, no, John, the law is good. The law is meant for the unrighteous, not the righteous. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Then there were 650 years when they go into the promised land. I'll use a theological term called Deuteronomic history. Deuteronomy chapters 27, 28, and 29 where we see Israel moving from light to darkness, not from darkness to light. Judges is completely dark because every man does what's right in his own eyes. And they continually move and move and move till they move in exile. That Even the promised land rejected them. But even in the midst of darkness, God was still living out his covenant. That he would, 70 years they had to spend in exile. Everybody loves to quote Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. But verse 10 says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, in darkness, in exile, live internal and let your light shine to all the people that are, that are there, the Babylonians that are part of that, uh, that, that, that took you away. He says, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to the place. Just because there's external darkness does not mean the covenant of God is gone. You had 400 years between the last book in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So how did Jesus remove the darkness? How did he do this? Let's get into the thickness of it. Let's dive in. Because can I, can I go a little deep today? Will y'all give me permission? All right, we're going deep. We're going in. You ready? Why, why did Jesus remove darkness? I showed you. There was darkness from Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1 verse 2. When there was darkness, right, was over everything. That the spirit was hovering over the surface of the deep. There was, even in the midst of darkness, the spirit of God was working. His covenant was working. Even in the midst of darkness, when they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden, God's covenant still began to pursue them. He even gave them away. Notice what happened. God would walk with them in Genesis 3, but in Genesis 4, at the end of Genesis 4, it says that man began to call on God. There was still a way because of the covenant love of God. Because of the Genesis 3.15, that there's a Messiah coming who will crush the head of the serpent. So, how did Jesus... Christmas, remove darkness. The answer is the virgin birth. Jesus removed all sin by becoming, full, by being fully God, that is perfect, sinless, which is righteous, so that we might become righteous. Look at Matthew chapter 1. Let's turn there, Matthew chapter 1. This is so good. I'm going to just try and give you good stuff. I'm going to go fast here. Matthew chapter 1, 22 through 25. When he's talking, Joseph is counting the angel because Mary's pregnant, and he's like, that's not my baby, right? So what is he going to do with Mary? Joseph's a righteous and devout man, so he said, I'm going to put her away, right? I'm going to divorce her quietly. He's a good dude. He's not going to humiliate her. But look what happens there in 22. After the angel says, wait, 
Wait, his birth is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, let me back up verse 21. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to, to give him the name Jesus. Uh, that is the Greek name of the Hebrew name, uh, Yeshua or Joshua, which means the Lord is my salvation. Because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. Look what he says. This is Isaiah 7:14 being quoted in Matthew. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a what, saints? And they will call him what, saints? Which means God, when Joseph awoke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate, that is have sex, their marriage, until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Yahweh saves. The Lord is my salvation. So here we see the virgin birth. The righteous. If Jesus had been born of a man, he would not be the perfect sacrifice. That is why I want you to know. And you say, but John, I know why Jesus is perfect sacrifice. He didn't sin. You're exactly right. But I want you to know something. James chapter 1 says that we don't sin because of temptation. Oh, why are you getting quiet on me? Come on, Nick, you better back me up. Why do we sin? Come on, talk to me. James 1 and James 2. Why do we sin? Because of what's in our heart. Evil desires. When my evil desire meets the temptation that Satan brings, I sin. Let me give you an example. If I were to ever cheat on Lynette, it wasn't the girl who hit on me that's the problem. Did anybody get this? Can I not be real? Why, why, why? Do we need a donut today? What are we doing here? Y'all need some sugar? What are we doing? I need to change your metabolism. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, so, um, right, uh, so the problem is not the woman who hit on me. The problem is the evil desire in my heart. James, the book of James says, we sin because of the evil desire in my heart connects with the temptation. And that gives birth to sin. And sin gives birth to death. So here's what happened. So why in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, when Satan was tempting Jesus, he says, look, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Look, you can have all this if you'll only bow down to me. And Jesus is like, get out of here. Remember when he started trying to say here, you have all this stuff. He says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word from God. Why is that? Because not only was Jesus, not only did Jesus tempt it in every way as we are, Scripture says, and without sin, not only was he fully human to feel the effects of temptation, but he was also fully God that there was nothing in his heart that was evil. There was nothing inside of Jesus. There was never the evil thought. There was never an evil motive. There was never a manipulative moment in his life. Nothing like that. That is why he could say no to temptation. People say, don't say no to temptation, not because the strength of the temptation, but the strength of their evil desire. This is not going to grow a church. But it will grow saints. Uh, now, you say, but John, the church is the saints. What I mean is a play on words. I might not, this summit might not ever be 5,000 members. But we will be strong in the Lord. Because you will know the word of God. And that is your sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6, which is the word of God. Jesus could not. That's why he's a perfect sacrifice. He was not born with a stain of sin. Everyone else is born in sin. Not just the propensity. Let me use some synonyms. Or bent towards sin, 
or penchant towards sin or proclivity towards sin. But when children are born, that's us. We're born with the stain of sin. Now you say, but John, I don't believe you. Okay, that's good. Romans chapter 5, let's turn there. Here we go. So I'm going to try and we got to work through this. This is good. So when we sing these Christmas songs like we were singing today, these great Christmas hymns, and we, we were talking about the, the, the idea that there's the, the, the son of righteousness, and we're singing Malachi chapter, you know, 1 and 2, I mean, or excuse me, Malachi chapter 4, where there'll be healing, and the son of righteousness, and there'll be healing in his wings. We're singing these songs. I want you to see uh, Romans chapter 4, excuse me, 5. Let me turn there in my handy-dandy notebook called the Bible. Romans chapter 5, look at verses 12 through 14. Therefore, everybody there? Say Amen. All right, good. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and what? I didn't hear you, and what? This is some deep theology here, but it's so good, you got to put scripture together. For the wages of is, okay, why do infants die? Death comes to people because we live with the stain of Adam. You say, but John, children are innocent. I agree. I agree that they go to heaven, and, I'll sh and I'm hopefully I'll show you. Amen. Amen. But this is why the virgin birth is so powerful. His, his, the virgin birth is so powerful. It even saves the life of the infant that the stain of sin tries to take away. You say, but John, an infant didn't commit sin. So if that, and that is correct, then that begs the question, then why did they die? For the wages of, is, see, nobody wants to talk about this. But then we walk around with a lot of questions. And I think Christians ought to walk around with a lot of answers. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people. And I didn't say it. Scripture said it. What does it say? Because what? I didn't hear you. Because what? This is why the virgin birth is so powerful. Jesus did not come. He did not have an earthly father. And notice, ladies, I want to give you props towards God. How good is this? Eve was accountable for her sin because she did die. But he didn't say because of the sin of Eve, but because of the sin of Adam. One man's sin. Adam was standing right there when this Eve was tempt tempted. And when she saw that the fruit looked good and was desirable for knowledge, it was in her heart. The temptation had power because it was in her heart. Let me break it down for you. Okay, can I, can I just say something? Oh, how do I do this, Lord? Okay, all right, so... I have a problem. I love to eat. Does anybody with me? Does anybody like bread? Good. Praise God for you. You're the wrong one to the right with Jesus. All right. So, uh, so here's the thing. If I'm hungry, if I'm hungry and I go past McDonald's, everything looks good on the menu. You can take me to a gas station and pickled pig's feet will scream my, don't judge me. If I'm hungry, 
I am not above eating pickled pig's feet. Right? But if I am full, this is hard for me to say, this is therapeutic, even Golden Corral gets passed by. You see, when someone is full of something, the desire in them has been met, thereby the temptation. If I'm happy with Lynette, then the best looking woman in the world can't tempt me. Come on, right? All right, here we go. So let's try and land this. Oh, my word. I'm going I'm to try and get through this. All right, so let's start with verse 12 again. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. This is where it becomes powerful. Verse 13. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. Hmm. But sin is not charged against anyone's account. Where there's no law. What did, why did Adam and Eve get charged? Because God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of what? That's a law. Thereby they were charged. Nevertheless, death reigned. Look what the Bible says. I'm not saying this. The Bible is. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command. Check this out. As did Adam who is a pattern of the one to come. In other words, there was a pattern that was put in man's heart. We were born in sin. And this is why we still feel the effects of Adam's sin. This is why there's sickness and disease and destruction. That is why our hearts scream against. Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity. He's placed eternity in our hearts. That is when every funeral we go to, there's something inside of us. And I know as a pastor, as I officiate them, I am screaming in me, this is not right. But praise God, he's going to make it right. Though there might be a little bit of darkness, the light will break forth. So, Psalm 51 says it this way. David, after he, sinned, uh, he slept with Bathsheba and then had her husband murdered, said it this way, in verse 3. For I know that my transgressions or my sin is always before me. Verse 4. Against you, he's talking to God, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved um, right when you speak or verdict, or justified when you ju judge. Look at verse 5. Surely I was sinful from, sinful from the time my mother. This is why. We are born not with just the propensity or the inclination to sin. I don't teach Three, four years old, five-year-old, my children. I didn't teach them that. Be selfish. Hit other kids. Hit your sister. Hit your brother. Yay. Drive fast. Take chances. Use your road rage. I didn't say that. Right? I didn't teach them that. But they did it. It's not just we're born with the inclination, the pinchedness, the proclivity to sin. But we're born with the stain of sin. And that is why innocent children can die but because of the virgin birth, they live forever with him. So if we are all born in sin, then what about babies who die? That's uh, age of accountability versus the age of knowledge. I don't want to go into too much, but let me just say this. Age of knowledge is when you realize you sin. I don't believe in the age of accountability. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, 
I don't believe in Judaism. I don't go to a bar mitzvah or mar mitzvah. I, I don't say that bar mitzvah. Bar means son of in Hebrew. Mitzvah means law. So at 13 in Judaism, you become a son under the law, which means you're now accountable for your own. You're a man. That's why it's a big celebration. You're a man. You're a man or you're a woman. They have a celebration for you. Uh, under that, you become under the law. Now, you're, not, you're responsible for your sins. It, you know, that, that's what that means. Uh, I don't believe in the age of accountability. I believe, yes, there is an age of knowledge where people can sin, realize their sin. And then there are some people that have some uh, mental challenges that will never realize that they've sinned, right? What about them? That's why the virgin birth is so beautiful. That is why even in the midst of this darkness, that death hangs over us, that death tries to cloud us, that death makes life seem terrible. There is something inside of us called the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit and he's working in our soul, our mind, emotions, and will to change us so that though our body dies, our soul will live. So, but John, only those who are righteous can live. Well, there's two ways to become righteous. Uh, John Piper would even talk about it. One is this. Look at Romans chapter 4. Go to Romans chapter 4. Sorry I'm adding this. 4, 4 through 8. Sorry, sorry. Love you. <laughs> I told her I was going to go. We're going we're to land this plane. Romans 4, 4 through 8. All right, here we go. Verse 4. This is, there's two ways to become righteous. Okay, let me just say this. And I, and I appreciate that my, my in-laws... Uh, are here, and, and this means a lot that, to me. I want to tell you, I watched them. So they buried their two grandchildren. Y'all know that. We've talked about this. The priest at St. Mary, Mary's of the Lakes in Medford, I was so angry. So my mother and father-in-law sat on the front row on this side. She came down the made. I mean, it's, it's a big, big building. They were having a, a mass, funeral mass. And they sat there, and they sat with their son and um, his family, and, and they had two other grandchildren at the time. He had two other children. And then my wife and I sit in the back with, with her aunts and uncles, and, and so we're sitting there. And the, the priest, he did it twice. Now, I, I'm staying in a home with, with people that are, that are successful, and I'm trying to share Jesus, and they're like, man, we got all we need. We got, you know, we got, we got cars. We got a nice house. We got a nice job. We don't really need Christ, and I'm trying to share the gospel. And, and so the priest said this. I'll never forget this as long as I live, ever. And this is why I live with such a fire in my heart. Because I'm tired that Christians don't have an answer. We do have the answer. And he said, he was a former neonatal nurse. Is that correct? And he said, I quote him, burned in my heart, I memorized it. He goes, I don't have an answer. I wanted to run up there, push him down and say, I do. <laughs> the reason why Innocent children die. It's because they're born with the stain of sin in Adam. And we feel the effects of death. But otherwise, if they didn't sin, why did they die? Somebody's got an answer. Somebody. And scripture gives it. Only the righteous will live forever. And I'll never forget. And that's what began this journey in my heart of watching this process. 
and watching it. I want you to know this is what's beautiful. Spurgeon writes about this. Some of these great theologians write about it. I even, I even listen, I even have an article. Uh, Nick Ballinger gave it to me. This is a great article. It says, why I believe children who die go to him. This Danny Ake is the president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. This stuff is rich and deep. He says, listen, he gives an example. He says, one is God is love and desires that all will be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4. God is love and his concern for children is evident in Matthew 18.14 where he says, your father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should be lost. People go to hell because they choose in willful rebellion and unbelief to reject God and his grace. Children are incapable of this kind of conscious rejection of God. But why do innocent children die? The effects of the sin of Adam that brings physical effects of death. That's what it means to be stained in sin, born with sin. But that is why the virgin birth is so powerful. It wasn't over Jesus. Jesus came to die, and he took sin, and that's why he died. If he had never taken our sin, he would have never gone to the cross. He goes on to say, James 4, 17 says, the Bible says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. The Bible's clear that we are all born with the sin nature as a result of being in Adam. Romans 5, 12, which, which this is what we call the doctrine of original sin. Jesus affirmed that in the kingdom of God belonged to little children. Luke 18, 15 through 17. In this passage, he stated that saving faith is a childlike faith. But he also seemed to be affirming the reality of children populating heaven. Spurgeon said, I rejoice to know that all the souls of all infants, as soon as they die, speed their way to paradise. Think what a multitude there is of them. Some scripture said to be chosen or sanctified from the womb. Remember in Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in the... Luke 1.15 talks about that and 1 Samuel chapter 1.8 and on. These are just examples. And I love this, Genesis 18, 25, where God said to Abraham, or Abraham said, excuse me, will not the judge of all the earth do right? So how do we become righteous? Let's land it. If you'll play over me, uh, Robert or Gabby, I would like y'all just to kind of change the atmosphere. As we move towards this, look at Romans chapter 4, verse 4. So how do we become righteous? Romans 3.10 says this, there is no one righteous, no, not what? Uh, can you throw Romans 3.10 up there, please? Sorry, I, I, I'm, I know I'm, I jumped a little bit on the notes. Romans 3.10. I want to show you this is why infants die. But just because somebody's died doesn't mean that they won't live. I am convinced with every fiber of my being Listen, for, to be, Paul said to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Thus, our bodies might decay, but our souls will live. And those children that die are in the presence of God and know God fully. They are in the Trinity God. They know fully. And we see them. We, can you imagine? You imagine might see them as a child, but yet they're speaking to you as an adult. And you know fully the beautiful all aspect of how God has used them. And maybe you turn around in heaven and watch the power of what Satan meant for harm. God took and meant for good. And many lives were touched because of a tragedy. There is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The virgin birth is everything. Romans 4. So how do we become righteous? Romans 4.4. 4. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, 
but as an obligation. So one way to be righteous is you work for it. But Romans 3.10 says there's no one righteous, no, not one. So there's no work that you and I can do to gain righteousness. Verse 5. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as what, saints? That's grace. You can either work for your salvation, you'll never get it. Because the Bible's clear, there's only one who is righteous, Jesus. He's the righteous one, Scripture calls. There's one way you try to work for it. The Bible says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And because they've fallen short, the wages of their sin is death. But then there's another way called grace. There's another way called grace. My account is built on grace. So there's two ways, John Piper would say, there's two ways to earn righteous. You can either work for it or you can either trust God for it. And since I can't work for it and earn his righteousness, there's only one way to earn it, and that is to trust him. righteousness, when I trust him based on his grace, that he would satisfy the wrath of God, the punishment of God that's coming, that he saw that thinking, I get nothing but grace and mercy. So today, as a response to the virgin birth, and if I was preaching to the Old Testament people, I'd say, in response to the coming virgin birth, but today I'm preaching in response because of the virgin birth. Hebrews 4, 6. Therefore, come on, 
Some of us are, we got to let the darkness get out of the way. And the only way to push the darkness out of our mind, out of our emotions, out of our will, out of our heart, the only way is to let the light of the gospel shine in us, to change the way we view things, the view of God. And just because there's darkness of death and pain and suffering around us does not mean the covenant of God is not working. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we, or so that we may receive, look what it says, mercy first. So you can't get grace until you get mercy <laughs> and find grace to help you through times of difficulty. So you need grace to get through all your studying because the truth is, no matter how much you study, God can take your breath away tomorrow. the darkness to go back, you got to walk in grace. That is the power of God. Grace people are not weak. Grace people are not wimps. Though our, our kindness can be taken as weakness, that's called evil in Scripture, and vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I want you to know today that every child that was born in sin because of the stain of the sin of Adam that brought death you know by scripture that Jesus' victory over death as the perfect sacrifice brings life. How much more to us now walk in a way that our lives push back the darkness. Push it back. Push it back. Draw near. It literally means we seek God because of his favor. The only reason we can come to the throne of grace is because he gave us the favor. He opened up the heavens. Jesus at the baptism. Heavens were open. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's what he's saying about us. We are co-heirs with Christ. Sons and daughters. That word draw near draws the idea of consent. This is why God, in Hebrews 7, 25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. That word come is the same thing as draw near. Today, do you need to draw near to God because of some broken darkness? Or family, come on. That's why I try to tough, tackle the tough issues. So you can walk in power and in victory. And all the questions that the world says, there's a God. Why did he or she die? There's a God who destroyed that death. His name is Jesus. That child, you, your parents, your grandparents, who's received Christ, live. But as believers, sometimes there's darkness. As I showed you in Scripture, Genesis mercy because he's bearing the cost of the sin 
Father, that is my prayer today. What do we need to pray? Who needs to come to the throne of grace? Who in here needs to just come and just kneel, spend some time with Jesus? Asking them, God, push back the darkness. Push back the darkness in this situation, dorm room, relationship, grandchildren, family, friends, job. I want to pray for my son. I want to pray for my daughter. I want to pray for my friends. Push back the darkness. Let the light shine in me. Let me become more on fire. There's always going to be darkness, but darkness will never, ever, ever be there all the time because light will always destroy it. God, work in me. I can come to your throne. I can come and receive mercy. You're not mad at me. You're not angry with me. You're not bitter towards me. You're not going to punish me. Lord, you're not, that is not what we have here. It's the throne of grace. We can receive your power and your favor to do what you've called us to do. Who here needs to draw near? That's what your virgin birth brought us. You destroy darkness and you give us hope in the midst of a dark hour. God, to let their light shine, to give them courage and strength to shine. I'm begging you now, Lord, help my light to shine. Let me preach and speak and walk and talk and live and breathe and be that person. I, I, all I do is sin in a way that your light would shine, that they will see you and not me. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, that you would receive the back the darkness, Father. If there's anyone in this room who needs comfort because of death, because of pain, because of suffering, because of sickness, because of disease, though the, the effects of darkness might be felt in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 tells us, even though our outward flesh is wasting to the cross.